Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm so glad that you're watching today's message. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. I believe it'll encourage you, it'll strengthen you, and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. Enjoy today's message, and I'll see you at the end of the broadcast. And so we called the series The Family Circus. The Family Circus. And one of the things about circus is there's always something going on in a circus. No matter which circus you've been through, there's always not just one thing, there's several things going on, and sometimes it's hard to pay attention to just one thing. And we said, in this, you have to understand with everything going on, there's at least one person under that big top who knows what's going on. About one person. Who? The ringmaster. And we said, you know, us being good Christians, we know the good Sunday school churchy answer. Who should be the ringmaster in our life? Come on, say it. There we go. But for Jesus to be the ringmaster or Lord, you're going to have to do what he says. And so one of the things we started looking at where it concerns what he says in our lives, we have to have guiding principles. Guiding principles for his word that lead us and guide us in where we should go. But it's hard to know what he says if you never open your Bible. Whether you use a physical Bible or one on your device, if you don't see it, you won't know what to do. So Ephesians chapter 5, and so we talked about the ringmaster and his guiding principles on the first week. The second week, we talked about juggling. Because how many know in this life you have to learn how to juggle? Has anybody realized you have to juggle some things in this life? If you haven't, just as the old saying goes, just keep on living. You realize you're going to have to juggle a lot of things in this life. And we talked about how it's hard to juggle things if you're drunk. We talked about how you're not supposed to be, how the Bible says clearly, don't be drunk, but also, it's not just you can be intoxicated off of alcohol. You could also be drunk on worry, anxiety, or sexual immorality. And he said, if you're drunk, you're not going to make the right decisions concerning what you should juggle. Because when you're juggling, there are things you're supposed to keep up in the air that you should never let drop. So if, you know, if you're juggling some of those, you know, old plastic, um, balls from Chuck E. Cheese and that ball pit boy back in the day. How many remember those, those ball pits back in the day? You know, how do they actually clean those things? I'm not sure if they ever did, but you got to thank all those kids jumping through that ball pit. But you can juggle those things and drop it, and there's no consequence if you drop those. But how many know if you're juggling some vases or some glasses, those are some of the things you're not supposed to let drop. In our lives, there are some things we're not supposed to let drop. But the thing is, if you're intoxicated, you won't know what can drop and what needs to stay in the air. You won't have the proper value for things. And then last week, we talked about funhouse mirrors. Because, you know, when you go to some circuses or carnivals have it, and you go there, and it gives you a different reflection of yourself. And if you go into a funhouse mirror knowing that's not how you really look, you're okay. But if you really think that's how you really look, how many know you can have a distorted image of yourself? And last week, we talked about how some of our relationships are sabotaged because we have a distorted image of ourselves. And we talked about the key to having the right image is humility. Because humility is not the religious definition. People give, oh, if I'm humble, that means I'm so unworthy. And we said, for you to say yourself unworthy is a slap in the face of what the blood of Jesus has done for you. The blood made you worthy. Say, the blood, the blood. made me worthy. Grace is undeserved favor. Yes, it means you don't deserve it, but you're worthy to receive it. 
But also when we're thinking about this, humility or being humble in mind means having an accurate view of yourself. And so, well, do you have an accurate view of yourself? And we looked at one of the examples, we referenced it in Numbers 13 with Joshua and Caleb going into the promised land. Remember, two spies, Joshua and Caleb, saw themselves as being able to take the promised land. But there are 10 spies that says, we're not able. God said they could do it. The 10 said, we can't. So knowing that, who was actually humble in their view of themselves? Joshua and Caleb. And so many times we say we can't do things when God said we can. And what is that? Pride. Because what are you saying? You're saying, well, I know better than God. Yes, I know this may work for everybody else, but it won't work for me. My case is special. Yes, the blood washes away everyone's sin but mine. Yes, the Holy Ghost empowers everybody but me. That is pride. You're putting yourself in a position where you're resisting God, and you're in a position to be devoured by the enemy. And so we're going to get into something today that I call the price of admission. The price of admission. Because when you go to a circus, there is a ticket that you have to pay, Right? But in our lives, sometimes we don't value things the way that we should. So before we jump into that, let's look at Ephesians 5, and we'll talk about the price of admission. Because has anybody been to a movie It's like, I can't believe I paid for that? Or has anybody watched a movie that came on a streaming service and said, I'm so glad I didn't pay for that movie? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 New Living Translation says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Another translation says, know the will of God. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. We talked about that on Faith in the Morning this past week, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we said this life that we're endeavoring to live is impossible without the help, guidance, and power of the Spirit. We have to stay full of the Spirit if we're going to enjoy this life and live it successfully. Our guiding principles for families and relationships, just for a brief review, we said we have to submit to the Word of God, to spiritual authority, and to each other. Number two, we said holiness should be our conduct. It's always quiet. So Pastor Kurt and Minister Hackney, I need you guys to help me. When I talk about holiness, I need amens for you if the rest is going to be quiet when I talk about holiness. Holiness should be our conduct. As I said it the last several weeks to wake you up, I say it again. God has called us to be holy, not whole-like. Although it's 2022, God has still called us to holiness. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but our behavior or our conduct should become those who are holy people. What does holy mean? It means sanctified. It means set apart. So holiness is not ugliness. It doesn't, matter, it doesn't mean how much makeup you have on or how long your outfits are. That is not the definition of holiness. Holiness means to be set apart. And to be holy, that means you don't do everything else everybody else does. It doesn't mean you are better than them. You just realize you're not them. 
and that God has called you to be holy. He's like, you know, I can't do that because my commander-in-chief, my Lord and Savior says, I can't do that. So I will set myself apart from the way the world does things so I can live the way he wants me to live. Holiness without walking in love is not holiness. You just have religious laws. If you're going to walk in holiness or live in holiness, you also have to walk in that lifestyle of love. Number three, we see we need our faith family. Because every time we see when Paul and Peter are talking about how we should live within our own houses, a lot of this is surrounded by living in a community of believers. And if we didn't realize over the last couple years how much we needed each other, we really realized how much we needed each other. I've made this joke, but it's, joke, but it's also true. You know, when we were sheltered in place, a lot of you started missing annoying people. The same week, the week before, I said, oh, I can't, ooh, I don't need to see them. I'm going to try to walk and love to them, wave and run if I see them talking. But after a couple of weeks, like, oh, man, I miss them. Yeah, they were annoying, but I miss them. We need each other. We're not supposed to do life as islands. We're supposed to do life within community. Imagine the people who Paul's writing to and Peter's writing to, because certain these letters, they're in a culture that people think the culture today is against the standard of living for God, and it is in different degrees, but the culture back then was even more wild. Our culture hasn't even got close to how wild the Roman Empire was, especially how bad Corinth and Rome was in and of itself. But one of the ways he told them to live this life was to do it within community. Think about it this way, because some of you are like, I don't need people, I don't like people, you is a people, remember that. But Jesus, the Son of God, had friends. He had friends. He had relationships. Yet he's God. He knows people are trifling. Yet he still had friends. What's your excuse? And also, because people like to talk about it, like, they like to twist it, saying, well, you know, Jesus had people betrayed him. Yep, he did have people betray him. But he had other people who stuck with him. He said, oh, Jesus' family turned on him. Not all his family. You studied out. Jesus had family members who supported him every single step of the way. Sure, he had brothers who didn't believe in him. But his aunt and uncle did. Said, oh, Jesus had aunt and uncles? Yeah, it's right there in the scriptures. His mama did. She didn't understand everything, but she had his back. There were a lot of people who had Jesus' back and his family and his friends. You can't live this life if you cut off all your relationships. Jesus is our example, isn't he? Did he do life within family and community? You know what? Jesus also knew how to take a break. Read in the Gospels. He actually took vacations. He has a three-year window of time to get done what he needs to get done, and he said, you know what? It's too much. Let's go on a vacation real quick. And he took all the apostles with him. Remember, the only people who are really preaching real this, at this time are in Jesus' crew. He says, all of y'all come with me. So that means for that period of time, that work wasn't being done so that they could rest. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians. So we said we need our faith family. Number four, we talked about last week, humility, what that really means. Number five, which we'll talk today, honor. And number six, love. So those are our guiding principles, and you'll find those in my notes. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we looked at this passage before. We'll look at it again from the New King James. It says, finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus 
that you should abound more and more, or the way you're living, it should keep growing and keep overflowing. Just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. One of the things I love about this church in Thessaloniki, this church that's written to the Thessalonians, is that he's writing this letter a couple months after he was there. Paul was only with them for a few weeks, and he had to leave in a hurried fashion because, you know, as typical people, are trying to kill him. And so he's writing this letter, and he says, I've received testimony about how amazing you guys are living. You guys are doing great, but keep going. You're doing great, but don't stop now. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. Say, this is the will of God. Didn't we just see in Ephesians 5 how you should know and live the will of God for your life? So whatever he's about to say, this applies to all of us. Say, it applies to me. So before we go forward, everybody online, do not skip now. People's like, oh, no, if I need another message online, you stay right there with me. All you people watching all those different states, you stay right there with me. Say, this is the will of God for my life. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. We'll go back to that, but notice how it contradicts it. Not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Notice this, notice this. How you live and control your body in sanctification and honor should look different than how the people who don't know God live. So that means our sexual ethics are different than the world's. And you better be careful that you don't let the world teach you what is right because they don't know what is right. Why? Because they don't know God. That no one should take advantage of or defraud his brother in this matter. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. That means you ain't supposed to be sleeping around. Especially committing adultery against another brother and sister in the house of God. That's what that verse actually means. Because why? The Lord is the avenger of all such. As we forewarned and testified you. And so when it talks about, remember God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. You want to know something that God takes very seriously? That. He takes that very seriously. That's why single people, single people, single people, just because they come to church doesn't mean they're a candidate for you to date. A lot of people come to church. Wolves do too. And this church is doing a good job here. And he said, look, don't y'all do this which means there had been somebody in their midst who was thinking about doing that. And so you going on dates, there are some questions that you have to ask. And sometimes now number one might be, are you married? I shouldn't have to, look, these days you need to ask. You don't want to ask this question three weeks in, three months in, are you married? Well, I'm not married, no, 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 no. Is the paper signed? Is the ink dry? Oh, we're just not together. Oh, but you're still married. Another question is, how many people are you married to? <laughs> scripture, scripture, there we go. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, 
who has also given us his Holy Spirit. The New Living Translation of verse 4 says that each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor. Verse 8 says, therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So it says we should control our body and live a lifestyle of honor. Say honor. See, honor simply means to show reverence. It means to ascribe value. It means to esteem. It means to treat something as precious and valuable. It means to reverence, to ascribe value, to esteem, to treat something as precious and valuable. The will of God is that you control your own body and live in holiness and honor. It's hard to honor others if you don't honor yourself. And so let's dive into that a little more. Are you honoring your own body? Are you treating your body in a way that matches its value? Are you treating your body in a way that matches its value? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Start with verse 13, reading from the New Living Translation. Are you treating your body in a way that matches its value? Because before we talk about honoring anybody else, do you honor yourself? Because before you honor anyone else, we talked about this during the offering, you have to honor God. But then also next, you've got to honor yourself. If you do not honor God and you don't honor yourself, you won't be able to appropriately honor anyone else. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13. New Living Translation says it this way, you say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. That's just good to know that, think about it this way. Before we even go forward, if you have an ache or a pain, God cares about your body. And so that ache and pain, you'd actually take to him and say, you know, Father, you said Jesus bore my bore my sickness and my diseases on the cross. Even though it's just a small ache or pain, I thank you that you care about it, so I receive my healing. Even the small things, he cares about your body. Say, God cares about my body. Do you? Look, I didn't preach this before Thanksgiving. I know we all just enjoy Thursday. But there are times of feasting and times of enjoying foods. But how many know that's not what we're supposed to do every single day? But what we ate on Thanksgiving shouldn't be our everyday eating lifestyle, because if not, we'll have some issues in our own body. Do you care about your body in the way that you should? Do you treat your body according to its value? That can talk about what we eat and what we don't eat. That can talk about, do you exercise at all? At all. Or are you going to be the ones who sign up for a gym membership in January just not go? You're just paying them every single month. So I, I tried. No, you didn't even show up yet. Well, I went in and it was full. There is something you can do. You know, taking a walk around the neighborhood, that's a good start. And does, I don't think it, does it cost that much to take, just take a walk outside? <laughs> just a walk. Something. Are you, are you taking care of your body? Do you care about your body? Because one of the things I've realized and I've seen sometimes when we do healing lines, sometimes it is an attack of the enemy or things that have happened, but sometimes people are coming up for healing 
because they didn't take care of their body. And so now it really doesn't become a matter of faith and grace because a matter of mercy. That the Lord has been talking to you about how to take care of your body, but you say, I ain't going to do that. Scripture. 1 Corinthians 6. Verse 14, and God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scripture says the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. You know what it say? Rebuke resist, confess against it, pray against it. It's a high tail it and get the other direction. So that means we can't be the Christians who say, well, how close can I get to it without sinning? Talk to the dating people again. It's not that, well, how close, we know we're not supposed to sleep together before we get married, but how close can we get? How many bases can we cover? We technically didn't do it, but we did something. I am doing my best to behave right now. <laughs> we have young ears in the room. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you know what I'm talking about, say amen. amen. There we go. That can be our standard of how we live. If we're actually called to be holy. Getting as close as you can is not running from it. Do you know what's running from it? Setting boundaries and making sure you don't cross those lines. Because you know yourself. You know when you feel weaker than others. And so what do you do? You set that boundary. Say, yeah, we ain't talking past this time. No, you ain't coming over past this time. Why? I'm trying to be holy. You have to set your own boundaries and maintain your own boundaries because it's not anybody else's job to do it for you. There are boundaries you can set over your life that are not necessarily ordained by Scripture, but they're boundaries that help you live out the Scripture because you know yourself. You know what things you need to put in place to keep you safe. And if you're going to live this life, you have to learn to have wisdom enough to put boundaries. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Notice that. Notice that. It didn't say it's a sin against, against God. It's a sin against you. Your own body. Not even spirit. Not so much soul. Your body. There are some people who have issues in their body because of what they've been doing. And the thing is about sin, it doesn't always show up the next day. Because even Hebrews says sin is fun for a little while. Don't look at me like that. Sin is fun for a little while. It's fun until you have to pay the cost. And the thing is, if the costs always show up immediately that day or the next day, people are like, oh, well, you know, that's the consequence. I don't need to do that. But sometimes there's certain sins that it takes five years, 10 years, 20 years to show up. And now, by the time you've gotten to this point, it's a lifestyle. And now you're looking death square in the face because of a lifestyle of seeds you've been sowing. Sin is deceptive. 
it will trick you and it'll make you pay a cost greater than what you plan to pay. So it would be wise to just listen to what Jesus has to say before you have to experience it. It's like, oh, I didn't know that he could deliver until he delivered me. You do not have to have that testimony. You can read the Bible and say, he's a deliverer and know that he can deliver. You don't have to go through something to know that he can bring you through something. Yes, that is a testimony. God brought me through, but you know also the testimony I never had to go through. Do you know what's another testimony? He kept me. That is a testimony. Not just he delivered me, but he kept me. One of the things we have to put into the generation coming up, you don't have to go through what we went through. He can keep you. You don't have to experience what we experienced. We need to teach our kids they stand on our shoulders. They're not supposed to go through what we went through. For those of you preaching to your kids, you got to go through what I went through. That is a plantation mentality that needs to go back to the plantation and back to hell. They stand on our shoulders. We build generational wealth. We build generational wisdom. We build generational blessings. Why would we try to make someone go through what we went through? Why does another generation have to do that? We build from glory to glory, faith to faith, strength to strength. So don't say I have to go through something to know that God can do it. No, read the Bible know that he can do it. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. Uh-oh. So although it is your body, you can't just say it's only my body. Be careful anybody tells you, well, you can do whatever you want because it's your body. That might work if you ain't saved. But if you're saved, you are not your own. You have a Lord who cares about your body no matter what the politicians say. No matter what the celebrities say, you do have to check with somebody about what you do with your body, and his name is Jesus. And do not let people who don't know him tell you what to do with your body. You'll fall under the same judgment as them when you've been delivered from judgment. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. A high price. How high of a price? First Peter says that we weren't redeemed or purchased with corruptible things or silver and gold. We were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. Are you living your value? Are you living your value? Because see, if you're a person who's made all the different excuses and accepted all the deception while you can live in sexual immorality, you're doing it, you are debasing yourself. You are dishonoring yourself. You're not living your value. And some of you do that because you don't know how valuable you are. Yes, you are too good for that relationship. I'll say it again, y'all got quiet. Yes, you are too good for a relationship that causes you to compromise your values. 
Some of you never had a dad tell you this, so I'm going to tell you this today as a dad. You are too good for that relationship. It's time to get out. You are way too valuable to compromise like that. But so many people, because they didn't hear someone when they're younger say this, live a certain way because they're just waiting for that person who they're sleeping with to tell them that they're worth something. Because if I don't do this, then no one is going to see my value. You need to see your own value. You need to understand the price Jesus paid for you and not settle. Well, I'll be lonely. It's better to be lonely than wake up with the demon next to you. You're just settling this lifestyle. You're debasing yourself. You're degrading yourself. You sleep with anything that moves. You are degrading yourself. You're devaluing yourself. You're acting like an animal. That's why you're dealing with animalistic spirits tormenting you. Live your value. Go to Romans 12. Know your value, believe your value, understand your value, and live your value. Romans 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you'll find acceptable. This is truly the way we worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. In order to this way, you have to change the way you think. And one of the things that you have to change is by understanding how valuable you are. Doesn't matter how what the world describes value. Remember the Psalm says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. No matter your height, no matter your race, no matter how light you are, how dark you are, no matter how much hair you got or how much hair you don't got, you are valuable. You are worthy because the blood made you worthy. So live your value. Don't compromise and sell. One of the things we all see about honor, just going forward for the sake of time, Matthew 5, 15, 8 says, quoting from Isaiah, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So honor is more than just saying the honorable thing. It is also a heart thing. Honor, honor needs to flow from your heart. In order for this to happen, you have to understand your value and the value of others. You have to understand your value and the value of others. This is how you can live your value and live holy without looking down on anybody else. Because you know they're valuable. Even if they're not living their value, you still know they're valuable. So even when you encourage them or you pray for them and talk to them, you're not talking down to them, you know. They're not living the way they should, but you still understand how valuable they are. We were made in the image of God. All of us made in the image of God. Not all of us are not his children because some people have chosen not to be his. But even if they haven't made their decision for Jesus yet, everybody is still valuable. 
every single person, no matter how they look, no matter their background, no matter their race, no matter their ethnicity, no matter their nationality, no matter their nation of origin, they're valuable. And so we should treat them with the value that belongs to people who are made in the image of God. But also going further, we were made in the image of God and we were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. Know, believe, and understand and live according to your value. Go to Acts chapter 10. I was just thinking about this message this morning, praying over this passage popped into my heart and so I want you to see this. Acts chapter 10, verse 9. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near to the city, Peter went up to the, on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat, but while they were made ready, he fell into a trance. And saw a heaven open, and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending into him and let down to the earth. So imagine this, like on Thanksgiving Day. And they say, well, food's going to be ready at this time, and it wasn't ready for two hours later. You're very hungry. At least Peter, he's very hungry, said, well, I'll be spiritual. Let me go pray for a little bit. So he went up, and he began to pray. And while he's in prayer, how many know he's not expecting to fall into a trance? One of the things when he's talking about trance, which is a type of vision, it's not the highest vision or the lowest type, but it's right there in the middle. Fall into it means it just came upon you suddenly. He's just going to pray. It's like, I've got some time to kill. I'm hungry. I'm going to go pray. And so while he falls into this trance, he sees this vision. And notice what he sees. He sees heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him saying, rise, Peter, kill, and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I never eat anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. Say, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up to heaven again. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what the vision which he had saw meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. So we know in context, this was preparing Peter to go minister to Cornelius and minister to the Gentiles and get people saved, who he would normally not have preached to. But notice in this vision, the Holy Ghost said, what God has cleansed, don't you call common. Has he cleansed any of you? Don't you dare call yourself common. Know your value. Live your value. You're not common. Because remember, he's speaking to a Jewish man who's lived by the law all his life. There were certain foods they couldn't eat, foods that were common or unclean. And Jesus told them through the Spirit of God, what I have cleansed, don't you call common. And we know, as we keep reading Acts 10 and Acts chapter 11, he's talking about people. Because when they went to go preach to Cornelius' house, Cornelius had gathered his whole family, all his friends, filled the house. And as Peter began to preach, the Holy Ghost fell on all those and they were all saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, the Bible, evidence, speaking other tongues, just like that. And when they came back to give the testimony, there are other Jewish believers saying, wait, wait, what happened? And then Peter begins to relate what the Holy Ghost said. If God has cleansed you, don't you dare call yourself common. 
And I'll add to this, if you're not common, don't live like you're common. If you are not common, don't live like you're common. Know, understand, believe, and live your value. That means you can't just do things that are common because you are called to be holy and set apart. Go with me to 1 Peter 2, 17. Because when you don't know the value of a thing, you will treat it as common. When you don't know the value of a thing, you will treat it as common. But here's also something that will make you treat things as common, familiarity. You're so familiar with it, you're like, ah, it's whatever. No. There has to be a balance of being familiar with something, but still remembering the value. There are times we come into the presence of God and the glory of God moves in a special way. And because it's normal, that's what we expect, and we should expect it as normal. But we must never let it become familiar. We always honor the presence of God. We always appreciate the presence of God. We're always open to every gift, grace, anointing, mantle, manifestation. He he sees fits to show forth. Why? Honor. Value. It should be regular, but it should still be valuable. 1 Peter 2.17. Honor all people. Notice, who does it say to honor? All people. Everybody. That includes you, but also everybody else on this planet. All eight billion plus of us. Honor everybody. Say, honor everybody. Then it says, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Think about this. Why would you have to emphasize honor the king when he just said honor everybody? Now, remember the time that Peter's writing this. More than likely, Nero is in power. And Nero was crazy. Certifiably so. When you actually study some of the things he did, this brother was some. And the Holy Ghost through Peter says, honor everybody, honor the king. So that means you can honor somebody because nobody in office today is even close to being a Nero. Not anywhere close. Nowhere close. We may have some Cyruses, but nobody is close to Nero. So we see we're to honor everybody, but then we'll honor the king, honor the emperor. Why? He's not living in an honorable way. And when you study his life, that no, he didn't. So why do we honor that person? Because of the position they are in. So we see we are to honor everybody, or also to honor the position or honor the office. So it doesn't matter who you voted for, you still honor the person who's in office. No matter what side of the aisle you say you are on, you are still called to honor those who are in authority. You honor everybody, and then you honor the office. Do you know what happens if you don't have honor for an office? Why would anybody want to hear what you have to say? If you're the person always talking down to them, why would they come to you for wisdom or advice? Honor everyone and honor the position that they hold. Say honor the position that they hold. So let me read a few passages to you real quick. 1 Timothy 5.17. The NIV says it this way. The elders are talking about the pastors who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor. 
especially those whose work is in preaching and teaching. So notice, it's not just talking about honor everybody, but it's also honor these positions. Honor is positions of pastoral or ministerial leadership. So we see here, we are to honor the king, who's in natural authority. And then we said honor the pastor, who's in spiritual authority. What we're talking about, honoring positions. Say honor, honor. position. Go to 1 Peter 3, 7. So how many see it's very clear? I'm going to say it again and put it online in the chat. Say honor everyone and honor positions. So say it aloud, put it in the chat for those of you watching at home. Say honor everyone and honor positions. 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, your wife, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together as the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. So let me talk about spouse for a second. Is being a wife being a person or fulfilling a position? Is being a husband being a person or fulfilling a role or a position? So let us sit there while y'all stare at me. Talk to the married people. Is your spouse, are they fulfilling a certain role or position in your life? Yeah, go ahead, say yes. You online, say yes. So even if they get on your nerves today, just look straight at me. If you look straight at me, people don't know I'm talking to you. Just look straight at me, nod, say amen, nobody knows I'm talking to you. That means you honor them anyways. Because the Bible says honor everybody, but also honor positions. Let's keep going. Ephesians 5.33. So again, I say to each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So there's that honor and respect again. Chapter 6, verse 1. You know, parents love to pull out this verse. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. So, parents, is that a role or a position that you have in your child's life? It's not your question. Yes. And even when you ain't doing what you're supposed to do, don't you want your kids to still honor you? Go ahead and nod. Go ahead and nod. Yes, you do. Don't act like you don't. You still want honor. Why? It's not just who you are. It is the position that you hold. And the thing is, your kids will have a hard time showing you honor if you don't show honor. If you don't show honor to those in your life. If all they hear from you is you bad-mouthing your boss, you bad-mouthing people who are in political power, if they never hear you honor, they won't know how to honor. You have to sow honor if you want to reap honor, which also means you need to honor your children. That means you raise them in an honorable way. You discipline them in an honorable way. You correct them in an honorable way. Think about this. When you're talking to the child, are you speaking to royalty within them? Or are you speaking to the fool? Whatever you speak to will rise. 
Your kid may have done something bad, something stupid, but if you keep calling them a fool, you keep calling them stupid, you keep saying this to them, that's what's going to show up. Say, like, I don't know why my kids are acting like fools. You spoke to the fool, and the fool manifested. You must talk to them with the value that they have. You are speaking things to them, so that rises up to the top. Which means if you're hot, they did something really bad, it is for their benefit and yours that you send them to their room so that you can calm down and talk to them correctly. You have to be watchful with what you say over them. I've seen one study that says for a certain number of years, whatever a parent says into a child becomes their inner voice. And some of you are struggling with things now because what you heard while you were a child is still talking back to you because they didn't speak to you with the value that you are and the value that you have. Don't pass that down to your children. Speak to the king inside your son. Speak to the queen inside your daughter. And that's what's going to rise. You have to teach your children to value themselves. Because if you don't, the world will teach them another set of values. You teach them, yeah, you can't hang around with that person. Why? They don't have your best interest in mind. Well, can I go over to their house? No. Simple as that. No. But you can invite them to church. And we'll all go out to eat afterwards. Because there's a balance of knowing someone who needs to be your close friend or someone who's your classmate that needs Jesus. There's a balance to it. Because one of the things you found out, if you haven't found out yet, all of the kids in your kid's school, they may not be saved. And their parents, whoo, they ain't either. But how many people have been one, as Isaiah says, a child will lead them? That invite is powerful. And so you have to teach your kids the balance of, hey, we love everyone, but we don't live that way. That yes, we live by these certain values. People in the world may not do that. We're not judging them or looking down on them. We just know how we have to live because we serve Jesus. And in the meantime, we invite as many people to know him as we can. It's that balance. And it's passing on that balance as we honor everyone and we honor positions. Everyone in your life deserves honor. However, you are to give additional honor to your spouse, to parents, to your children, to spiritual authority, and to natural authority. A life of honor flows from first honoring God and then honoring yourself. If you do not honor God and you do not understand your own value, you will sabotage your most important relationships. You have to know your value. You have to express your value with the way you live. And you have to raise your kids knowing their value but you have to understand how valuable you are. If you don't, you'll live any type of way. You'll settle for anything, you'll compromise for anything. You have to know how valuable you actually are, how amazing you actually are. And as we covered last week, knowing that you're amazing, that you're wonderful, is not prideful. It's actually humility because that's what God says about you. You have to talk about yourself the way God talks about you. You have to see yourself the way God sees you. 
You know, when I was writing this devotional, one of the favorite lines that just popped out of my heart when I was writing was, God didn't cancel you. He canceled your sin. You may have done something horrible, but God didn't cancel you. He did it. So don't cancel others. Honor everyone. Honor those who have positions of authority in your life. Be a person of honor. Even if we live in a culture that's forgotten how to honor, you be honorable. Honor opens doors for you. You honoring someone who's not even living honorably opens the door for you to actually share with them the gospel. To tell them about their real value. Stand to your feet. My Father, there's so many in here under the sound of my voice in this room and online who don't know how valuable they are. I can sense it. And that's the root of a lot of stuff they're going through. I've done my part, Father. Now I ask by your power you do your part. Give them a fresh revelation of who they are in Christ. Give them a fresh revelation of how they've been fearfully and wonderfully made. Give them a fresh revelation of how valuable they are. And I pray that it echoes throughout their soul, their mind, their will, and their emotion, that it echoes through their heart, that it echoes so strong it changes the way they live, that they live and control their body in honor. They live their value. Amen. I believe today's message encourages you, it strengthens you, it's helping you to live the lifestyle of faith. If you're ever in the metro Atlanta area, we'd love for you to worship with us in person. You can find information about our different locations at fccga.com. Also, we have so many different ways where you can get the word. You can download our Faith Plus app. You could also visit us on our social media pages, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube. We'd love for you to connect with us. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as on Spotify. We have two. One is called the Faith Podcast, and then we have our daily devotional podcast, which is called Faith in the Morning. I look forward to seeing you on our many different social media platforms and in person at Faith Christian Center. Thank you so much for tuning in, and remember, something good is going to happen to you today, so expect miracles. God bless.